Thank you for listening to the Roundtable Consult, where we discuss political and social issues that matter to you from a spiritual, medical, and legal perspective. Join the conversation with your host, Attorney Sonia Madison and Dr. Mark Williams. Welcome to the Roundtable Consult. I'm your host, Dr. Mark Williams, and I'm joined as always by my same co-host, Attorney Sonia Madison. <laughs> but, but I'm excited also to have a special guest beside me. Obviously, you can see her. It's none other than the beautiful, the talented, the very lucky Mrs. Darius Williams. <laughs> Hello, everyone. Hey, Sonia. How you doing? I'm doing well. How are you? Good, good, good. It's Valentine's Day weekend, and we're excited uh, for multiple reasons. One, um, this is our... Uh, I don't know if you know this or not, but this weekend, today is my daughter's birthday, Courtney's. So she turned 17 today. And and aside from this being a very special day for her, it's one that reminds me about 17 years ago, I nearly lost this woman right here and um, and given birth to to Courtney. So I always, um, I always think about every time my birthday comes around, just how lucky I am still to not only just have my daughter, but still to have my wife here with me today. And, and I'm glad that we had faith at that time. And even still to today, um, I get to enjoy her presence here. And you have a special guest on with us this, today as well. You want to introduce yes. him? Yes. This is my significant other, Thomas Brantley. He owns E&A Truck Leasing, huh? as well as a moving uh-huh. company here <laughs> in Atlanta. And I mean, we've been together almost a year. Really? Oh, I know, right? Hmm. I know. I know. Oh, she's you know, you gotta, you gotta make yeah. sure that you gotta make sure everything's good first before you oh, put wow. them out. Oh, <laughs> I know that's right. I mean, she, she went longer than the first trimester. <laughs> you know, I think you say you, you don't disclose a pregnancy during the first trimester, at least. But oh yeah. Wow. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, I had to make sure he was gonna stick around. Well, good. Thomas, my condol. I mean, my uh, welcome. The hate I wanna- this comes. <laughs> hey, listen, listen. First of all, yeah, thirty years. That's a blessing. That's a blessing. It is. So it, it's not. It's not without its um, without its intentional work that comes into, it. and that's one of the things. I'm glad we're having this conversation today. The title was "Love Under Construction," and and the reason uh, we thought that that was probably a really interesting conversation to have and a and a title to put in there because I think love is constantly under renovation. You don't necessarily just build it at one time and then expect it to last. But there are certain steps. Obviously, there are different stages ages in construction one you start you have the idea what do what what type of house do I want to live in if you're building a house what type of house do I want to live in and then you have to develop the plans for it and then you start making sure of course the key thing is delaying the foundation and then watching it build to have to think about what are the things that I want to have in it what are the amenities the accoutrements that I want to have in the house and 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 a lot of times you start when you start even considering that even from the standpoint of of relationship you're like you know (laughs) but I mean I I take it there's a constant sweep because we are always even in our own selves in our relationship with God our relationship with each other there is a constant reflection and a constant need to be intentional one of the things that you know, as we talk about construction, obviously Thomas and I are coming from a, a state of dating. And I imagine, although Teresa was probably sooner from you, but otherwise Mark may not remember, but during those <laughs> dating stages, I mean, we're, would you, what would you say to people like us? Obviously we're in our forties now. And so we, it's, it's a little different versus when you're in twenties, but I think it's also different generationally. And, um, and even how people are meeting is different, but I don't know if, the approach of courting and actually doing some study or doing some work, or maybe you can't even prepare um, for that long-term longevity. What would you say to people in that dating stage? Well, for for us, I think it was a little different. Um, I truly believe that the Holy Spirit 
made Mark intentional and in pursuing me because I didn't actually want to get married, you know, many, many, many years ago. And so I believe that it's, I have an echo. So I'm sorry. That's why. Oh, you're good on our end. Yeah. I yeah, feel like did. I'm echoing on myself. Um, so I feel like the Holy Spirit really put that unction in him to pursue me because I almost missed out on the blessing. Um, I didn't see any really um, happy marriages growing up. And so I didn't have a desire. You know how some little girls dream about wanting to have that beautiful wedding and all of that. I didn't, I did, that was not me. <laughs> and so I truly believe that he had what I needed and I had what he needed. And so in order for our past to collide, God really intentionally asked him to come and pursue me. One of the things Thomas and I are doing, we're reading this study called Preparing for Kingdom Marriage. And it really does talk about order and how, you know, obviously the man is supposed to submit to Christ and then the woman is supposed to submit to man. Mm. And and, and, in doing that, to some degree though, it also makes it clear that, hey, for the uh, woman to submit, they have to model the way the man is submitting to man to, to God. And so, you know, if you're not seeing how the man is submitting to God, for that man to then require your submission um, is it, difficult because you're not showing what that submission looks like. But even in that context, from what I'm hearing you say, Doreen, and it's kind of what I feel like is important in a lot of relationships is the man has to have a vision and has to be walking in that direction um, to get our attention. Um, I mean, what, what you guys as men, what, what would you say to that? Well, I'm a traditionalist. I believe, I believe that the Bible, I believe in the Bible. Um, and in the Bible, God presented the woman to the man, which meant that, you know, the man <clears throat> was, was that it wasn't that it was somebody that the man was going out looking for, or that the woman was going looking for, and certainly the woman wasn't going looking for the man. It was that the woman was presented to that man by God. <clears throat> Teresa and I, uh, we attended high school together. Okay. Now we didn't date in high school. We didn't date. In high school. <laughs> <laughs> so what you got know. friends though? I meant that she yeah. had too many other we, nice options. Like, we were good friends. <laughs> yeah. Plus, that's a plus. That's a plus. So what happened? Ninth grade. I met this woman and I told my best friend, I said, that's going to be my wife. He's like, man, you're crazy. I said, no, she's going to be my wife. I promise you. That was God. <laughs> that was God. <laughs> that was God presenting her to me. Yeah. And and when he presented her to me in that moment, I knew, do, do I just run out and then say, okay, well, you need to, let me get a club and beat you over the head until you become my wife. <laughs> wife, mine. No, that doesn't happen that way. So. Uh, but it, it took some development. And in the ninth grade, she had a boyfriend in high school for most of high school. It really didn't deter me very much because <laughs> oh, gosh. I already knew what my destiny was. I already knew yeah. what the destiny was. And so um, I had I patiently waited. I yeah. patiently and and um, invited a friendship. We became good friends around the 11th grade. We talked on the phone quite often. And um probably talked on the phone more to me than she did her boyfriend. And at the time I didn't realize that this was God's plan for, for my life. Um, because like I said, I had no intentions on getting married. So we, 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 we balance each other out. Yeah. You bring me life, baby. So me life. I'm the fun part. <laughs> it's kind of like what Mark said when they first started dating, you know, as men, you know, you, your eye focus always have to be God first, regardless. And if your focus is God first as a man, then God will give you the vision that you need. Now, you don't have to go around quoting Bible scriptures to people, but look how Mark intentionally said, this is the woman I'm going to be with. So he claimed it. <clears throat> now it happened, it manifested. And I can, and I'm quite sure that Mark put himself in a position to show her, hey, you know something? I know you're dating Johnny over here, and I know Joe like you, but I don't have to say none of these things. I'm going to keep doing what I got to do. And when the time presents itself, I'm, I'm showing you who the man I am. You don't have to, I don't have to pretend I'm doing these things. And I feel like that's dating today. And I feel like a lot of men today, they don't want to really be men no more. They want to be what the woman wants them to be in order to get the woman. 
And that's the wrong way to be. Because sooner or later, that's going to fade away. Because when your true self comes out, then the woman like, I thought I was dating this other guy, but you really this guy. Mm. So um, to Mark point to how him and his wife met, that's how that's how it should be. I, I, I got to say, you got to keep your eye on the long game. Uh, and that situation I told you in the ninth grade is when I first saw her. I said, this is the woman that I want to be with. Two years went by before we even really started talking on the phone. Another year, we didn't even date until after we graduated high school. And that was only for like two months or something like that. Before she went away to college. And uh, when she went away to college, you know, we still remained friends, even though we broke up at that point, because I'm thinking the long game. I'm also thinking yeah. a long game because I stayed in good with her mother too. You know, <laughs> you know, I was like, I get in good with the mama. So when I say he was pursuing me and intentional, he really was. <laughs> it wasn't in a stalking kind of way. <laughs> no, not not. I didn't do what like you got to do. But here's the deal: a lot of times you can get criticism. I, I remember my brothers uh, and and some other people probably would have thought like, "Man, you're a fool still trying to get after this woman." And she ain't interested or whatever, blah, blah. I'm like, I know she's interested because she just doesn't know that she's interested yet because of all of the other junk that she had to deal with, you know, to to, to get with and, and to get through the notion that, yes, you can be in a marriage and you can be in a happy marriage at some point. And as long as it's with me. But, <laughs> but, as, uh, but interestingly, we started, when she moved back to Cincinnati, we started dating again. And this is when you really have to know as a man to say, you know, I'm not going to accept anything less than what God has for me. Uh, because we were dating and and I really so wanted to be with her that uh, it was out of order. My balance was a little out of order because I really wanted her and probably wanted her too much or at least in an in a improper way. Not an improper, didn't want her improperly or <laughs> outside of what God's balance was. Because at the at the moment... I probably never could have been the head of the household that God intends for me to be uh, with the perspective and the and the affection that I had for her. So we started dating again when she moved back to Cincinnati. And but she was not interested in dating exclusively. And so she because she didn't want to commit to any type of relationship and, uh, and certainly didn't want to commit to a marriage or anything. And um, at this time in my life, God was had me in what I call a put up or shut up mode. It was like, listen, I've gone through this whole situation of dating people, people falling in love. You realize that that's not the one for you. You break up and then feelings get hurt and you feel bad because you hurt somebody's feeling because they weren't the one for you or something. And I said, man, why do I keep going through this cycle over and over and over again? And at this point, at that point, God had me in a put up a shut up mode. He said, you know, pretty, pretty early on in the relationship, if there's potential there. If there is no potential there, why are you still holding on to it? And a lot of times, the reason why we hold on to it is because either one, we're, we're desperate for the affection and, and attention. We don't want to be lonely. Uh, we're desperate for the physical contact and, and, and everything else that that comes and brings along with it. Or we start believing that, you know, maybe I'll start settling for someone or something that is not necessarily what I was, uh, what, what, what God has for me. And, and I was in a position where I probably could have done that, say, hey, we can date. We just continue dating on in this way. But God said, no. And so I wrote her about a six-page letter. I don't know. Do you still have that letter? You don't have that letter. I wrote about a six-page. There goes page... that construction. Put it <laughs> fire to it. <laughs> I wrote wow, a... that's a Leah right there. I wrote you a six-page letter. Wow. I wrote her a six-page letter, handwritten, and um, pretty much telling her, this is what I see. This is how I see God in you and this is how i see us together and i won't allow anything less than what i believe god has for us to prevail over what we have and i'd rather be without you than to compromise on what i believe god has and so we broke up and we had broken up for several months almost a year maybe or, or whatever and i wound up calling her back in may of uh, i think it was Not may of even. 1990 <laughs> or something like that or may of 1990 one or something mm -hmm. like that and i called her on the phone and we had a wonderful conversation it was just going on i know where and... you got to go with this <laughs> <laughs> 
and she said in a minute, she's like, oh, I haven't laughed like this. Oh, he's so exaggerating. I oh, already know. I already know. I said, I got her. I got her. I got her. But, uh, but then we started dating again after that. And then six months later, we were engaged. But the, the point that I'm trying to make is that if you, if you have things out of order, if the affection is out of order, um, then, then it can ruin the entire thing. You have to be willing to, to let it go in order for it to, I think, was it Maya Angela said, or, or somebody, some poet said, if you love something, let it go. And if it returns to you, then it was meant to be. If it doesn't, then so be. And, um, and I think I had to get to that point where you're saying, okay, I want you and I want to be with you. But I'm not, I don't want to be with you under any circum, just any circumstance. I want to be with you under the right circumstances. And, and I think um, that's a tough decision to make for a lot of times for people um, who, who desperately want relationship and who have been like Sonia. Um, the hate. <laughs> <laughs> if you go to, to today's dating um, age where a lot of people are looking at which if I'm honest with you most time people do look at if you're attracted to them and so they have all the external things going on they look good they got a nice job they um, are good taking you out and doing things but they're they, they don't have anything internal to give to you as far as like they're they're mean and nasty but you still settle to stay with them because you want to be in that relationship with that person. And so I know that for women, I just don't understand like, why can you still be with someone when they treat you like crap behind doors, but because they look good and they're, and they have money and they have a nice car and you still want to settle. So I think that a lot of women settle and men too, but mainly women settle because of the external things and they don't have that substance, that substance that's going to last. You mentioned the right way. You said you wanted to to pursue her the right way. You want to get you guys to be in a relationship the right way. What mm -hmm. is the right way? I think that right way has to be defined by the person, individual, the man and for the woman. Uh, Doris made a comment. She was talking about how you can settle. Sometimes those things aren't settling. I think before you build any house, you have to determine what type of house do I want? What are those things that are important to me? What are those foundational things that are most important to me? Uh, for some people, it's security. So some people might be like, listen, as long as he is paying the bills for me, you know, he doesn't have to be the snazziest dresser. He doesn't have to necessarily be the most attractive person. Uh, he doesn't have to want to always go out or I need security. Some people value security. Which, over which is everything. true. The only reason I'm cutting you off is I want you to speak from the 30 years, though. I mean, because again, I think we also see a lot of people who have gotten divorced despite having that security. We see a lot of people who've gotten divorced despite not having financial issues or not. So, from speaking from 30 years, what, from you, your perspective, is the appropriate security that should you should keep in mind when you're dating so what i'm saying is that you have to determine what are those things those priorities that you have and and is this person meeting those priorities at this point in time because your priorities over time change they shift exactly. and what exactly. was important to me at when in my 20s is not necessarily the most important thing for me today in my early 50s <laughs> <laughs> but i guess that's what i'm i'm asking get back to the foundation though what what foundation though still is enables you to stay in that relationship or, or it's to continue to have a healthy relationship because again if you're I guess I'm, I'm kind of hearing if you focus on, okay, this person brings money, but they don't have their Christ relationship. And obviously we're going to be talking from a Christian's perspective, right? right? right, right. Um, or if this person looks good, but they don't have any emotional um, support to give me, you know, they, or this person has a home, but, you know, again, they, they don't have a certain family unit. Right. Um, so what would you guys say again speaking from the 30 years and from a christian's perspective so i you're I, in your dating you know what what is right i sense that you were trying to get from the christian perspective but uh and not but but i uh, i understand <laughs> and because here's the deal i i've talked to some younger people who don't who aren't necessarily subscribing to christian values so i don't even know how to really counsel, how to counsel them right <laughs> yeah because you're like everything that i have 
right, is coming right. from the perspective of being a Christian. So from my perspective, the foundation obviously has to be one that's built on faith. Uh, but other people who don't necessarily subscribe to my relate to my to my religion and to my faith have to find out they have to prioritize what are those things that are going to be most important for you and and mm -hmm. does that person meet those at that time my encouragement is for you to allow there to be a biblical and a spiritual foundation for it and so for us that was i think a very important thing for us in, in the in the outset was to have a, a key spiritual foundation yeah and even before we got married we did um christian counseling in the you know to make sure that this is something that we really wanted and that we were on the same page um, before we even got married so that we knew that at that time like if either one of us didn't want to submit to each other's plan that we have for our lives then we could go our separate ways <laughs> um, but we both knew from that Christian counseling that um, these are the things that are priority to me and these are the things that are priority to and can you get on board with the plan now, even what Christian foundation means to different people means a whole lot of different things. I went back in some Twitter wars just recently with some people. There's a woman <laughs> on Twitter who's always bashing uh, uh, church leaders who encourage, who who not necessarily encourage women to stay in abusive relationships. They don't do that. But that's what she accuses them of because they will make the comment to say that if a woman leaves a marriage, then she's sin, basically. And then I mean, what about that's I get it. I get it's justified why you might want to do this. But the mere fact that the Bible says that God really hates divorce and, and that God says who the two men put to, I mean, what he put together, let no man put asunder. And so the mere fact that it's justified, we have to understand that God's will doesn't bend to our circumstance. Uh, let me say that again. Uh, God's will really doesn't bend to our circumstance. His, his will is his will. His instruction is his instruction. And I hear what you were saying earlier uh, before about, um, about a man submitting to God. That's God's will. He said, husband, love your wives as Christ loved the church. And then it says for women to submit to your husbands as as Christ submitted, I mean, as the church submits to Christ. And so what happens is that we interpret that through our own lenses to say, well, as long as he submitted to God, then God expects me to submit to him. But if he's not submitted to God, God doesn't expect me to submit to him. God still expects you to submit to him. Now, whether you do that or not, if you choose not to, and sometimes that's the best decision, I'm like, listen, I'm not submitting to this nonsense. I well, I mean, but to be fair, if your submission leads you to the disobedience to God, I would imagine Obviously. your obedience to God comes first and foremost. Exactly. But what happens is a lot of times people say, well, he's verbally abusive to me, so I don't need to submit to him. You probably shouldn't. And, and if you were my sister or my daughter, I'd probably advise you to get out of that. But here's the here's the caveat. I would say, but understand that you still displease God in that. And it's okay to displease God because God knows how to forgive you. All you have to do is still ask him for forgiveness. God, I know that divorce was not necessarily part of your plan and that divorce hurts you. It's 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 less than your best. And and I've and I initiated this for good reason, but I still need you to forgive me because I did something that hurt what you that was outside of what your will was. Um, but anyway, that's what I'm saying. Christian counseling and, and having a Christian foundation means a lot of different things to different people. And my my uh, challenge has always been: don't try to bend the Word of God to meet my desires and to meet my circumstance. Well, and I so, think that's what's key is that were you following his will in your decision to marry that person? Um, and I understand from your perspective, if you weren't following his will, yeah, you to some degree, you're saying you're stuck with the decision you made. But, but not, I think not, it not is permanently. It. I mean, you can still get out of it. I mean, don't get me wrong. You can still get yeah. out of it, but just understand that you still have violated God's covenant when you did that. And, but but and, the violation occurred when you chose to marry someone outside of what God willed you to do. It doesn't matter when the violation, well, you, the violation never, the marriage, well, but I marriage say, is so never the sin just keeps adding on. I'm just saying like, okay, if, if God, if God did not instruct you to marry this person and you chose to do so anyways, then to me, it's like a downward cycle. It just, it's, 
it's not in God's will per se that this is the person for you. That was your decision to make. That was what you decided to do, but that was not aligned with what God's will for you. Now, I'm not saying that then justifies you leaving because to some, to your point, God still is, is true and honest with how he defines marriage and he still wants, he doesn't want to see a divorce. But I'm just saying, you back to the construction part of our, our topic, you're setting yourself up to some degree for a deconstruction or, or for a collapse when you've already made a decision out, out, out of whack with what his will is. Yeah. And sometimes you don't see those things as they develop, you know. Um, well, and that's and, why it's important for people like you guys to tell us what we need to see. <laughs> well, <laughs> and sometimes we, I mean, well, we don't see it always in the beginning as well. Uh, so, I mean, you you do have pitfalls and you do have things that come up that will uh, challenge you. And so they're not saying that these 30 years have been smooth. I mean, in the beginning, I mean, I wish I knew the things I knew now back then. <laughs> Um, much wider now. <laughs> <laughs> but but Mark, I have a question for you too, Mark. Mm-hmm. I have a question for you too, Mark. And it's kind of like go back to dating, what we're talking about. And you made a good reference about the phone, right? Um, and one of the things that I see in dating now and dating like in the 90s, um, in the early 90s, is the value of dating. Uh, I, I felt like we value dating more like we put you know like we you know as men and as even as couples um the dating scene was totally different you know what i'm saying it's like we didn't have social media you know what i'm saying you know at 25 you know you was like okay at 25 i'm i'm i need to get i need to start selling down a little bit you know i need to um like the bible talk about when i was a child i thought as a child i act as a child not and became a man, I put away my childish things, my childish ways. Um, so the question I would have for you is, and and I and me and my friends, we we talk about this all the time. It's like how dating has just changed. And and even women, I've asked my female friends this, and they say the same thing, like dating has changed from what they're seeing. So the question I have for you is, do you feel like since dating has changed? Um, people don't take relationships any, you know, they don't take relationships serious anymore. Um, because of a, is it the social media? Um, two, um, even dealing with Christians, like so many people beat church so much in somebody and that they just get tuned away from it. So I just want to get your opinion on that, get your viewpoint on that. Um, I like that. Yeah, thank, you for, that. thank you for asking that question because I think, um, and obviously I'm not dating these days, but from what I know yeah. of a lot of dating. You can date in your marriage, Mark. You can date nah. in your well, marriage. I'm not dating outside. <laughs> I, where, I'm, where I'm going is permitted in my marriage. So, but but what, one of the things that I see happen, uh, unfortunately, is that I think dating today advances too quickly. It advances to the physical and the romantic part too quickly. And so God forbid, if I ever went back out into the dating scene, one advantage that I would, I think that I would do is to take full advantage of some of the technology that we have like Zoom right now. Before, if we were dating, you couldn't date long distance because, you know, one, you had to pay long distance fees. It was cost <laughs> prohibitive. <laughs> yeah. uh, I remember that. Exactly. And then you just had to imagine what, what the other person looked like on the other line. But you can have real good interaction with people through Zoom uh, and through video uh, chats like this. Mm-hmm. Um the dating apps right now. I, if I were going back out into the dating scene today, I would date somebody online a long time before I met them. And here's the reason why is because I think there is too big a pressure currently today to immediately involve the physical and to get sexual. Uh, you know, people meet each other and the same day they're having sex. Now that happened in the past, yes, but it happened with much less frequency it's like three dates and then you must be gay because you haven't tried to have sex with me after three dates and so i I think that pressure is 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 too great and i think you introduce the physical aspect of it too soon in the relationship and what it does is it clouds your perspective 
about who this person really is because this person may be really good in bed, but everything, and they may bring the satisfaction that you need from a physical standpoint, but the other parts of it is lacking. And so you hold on to the relationship longer than you would have because you've gotten these soul ties with that person from engaging in uh, sex with them too soon. And another question to that too is, um, when we talk about old school dating, I can remember I started driving in like 1993. And, you know, back in the days, you know, you had to go pick the young lady up from her house. So you had to meet her parents. You had to meet the father, the mother. And sometimes you had to meet the whole family the first time you date, mm-hmm. right? Now, today, it's like, oh, well, I'll meet you somewhere. And I understand because, of you know, time has changed. So the question I have to have for you, both of you guys is, do you felt like it made you choose a, a partner wiser? Because now you're inviting, because if you as a woman, you know, if Mark going to come and uh, pick you up and take you to, to the date, to the movies, and to the dinner, that means, A, you had to let him know where you live at. So that means we had GPS, so you had to pay attention. So you had to know the, the routes and roads and streets. And then two, now you may, now Mark has to meet your parents and your whole family. And, you know, a lot of times we used to live beside our family members. That's how it was living back then. You know, depending where you live at, you know, your mom, your parents live here, your aunts and uncles down the street. So as a woman, the question I would have for both of you guys is, do you feel like, we had that, you guys, we had that radar up, um, I guess we we'll say even not when we'll say faster, but you had to really choose like, okay, do I really want to give Mark my number? And if I gave him my number, if I said, okay, I'm going to date with you, was it, you know, you, was it was something you really had to think about back then versus now? I just want to get you guys' opinion on that. Hmm. I truly believe that it was probably a little bit safer back then because even now with my daughter, um, she's 17 and she's constantly on her phone and texting and on Instagram. And I just feel like you just don't have as much control over it as we did back then. Um, You would bring that person to your house and the whole family would get to meet them and know who this person was. So they don't know who you are, (laughs) what you look like. And everything, but now it's like I have to show me a picture on Instagram of this person who likes you or what have you. So I think that it's more challenging now for people to um, be involved and have family involved like we did back then. Because yeah, they did have to come meet your mom or your dad or your family, and everyone got involved and questioned them and sat them down and made them feel uncomfortable and that kind of thing. And I think that is like taken away in the beginning. I mean, yeah, you eventually get to that point um, with it, I believe today, but then it was much sooner. Yeah, those safe, a lot of those safeguards are now gone. Um, but mm-hmm. then those safeguards, even back then, um, they really apply to pretty much the younger person who is dating. Because if you're in your 40s and you're dating at that point, they still were coming to your house. And they still were meeting you. I mean, they still didn't meet your family. You could have been dating somebody for a year and nobody ever knew about it. <laughs> <laughs> nice try. Uh, <laughs> They're going to put them on blast on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Like, ta-da! Got a surprise for you. But, uh, but it's still, as an adult, as, dating as an adult back then still did not have those same built-in safeguards um, of meeting the family. I do think that it's not necessarily that the circumstance has changed or the technology or the arrange, life arrangements have changed, but it's the expectation I think has changed. Is that people people want that type of privacy, that type of animated anonymity? Because even right now, you have the opportunity to introduce this person to your family much more conveniently than you did before. Perhaps I lived in a different city from my family. I was in the city by myself. But you know, the only way that I was going to introduce you to my family was for you to jump in a car and we go travel four hours down the road. And when you meet my the girl that I'm dating for the first time, you get her name wrong. That happened with us with our aunt, you know. <laughs> so the first time, the first they do time, it on purpose. They do it on purpose. They do it on purpose. They know what they're doing. They know what they're doing. I was used to it. <laughs> so 
But my aunt, my aunt just said, she said, okay, tell me again, what's her name? Because uh, I'm going to get it right when she comes to the door. And I'm acting like I knew her. And so I said, her name is Doris. And so we go knock on the door. We're in Chattanooga. And she comes to the door. She's like, Dorky. <laughs> I'm like, Dorky. I'm saying her name is not Dorky. But uh, the point is, is that if you wanted to introduce your family to uh, introduce the person you were dating to your family before, it was a much more intrusive and laborious for you to do that. Now you can introduce, hey, I'm going to call up. We're having a family. I want you to meet this person and we can do a Zoom meeting. And and, and voila, I'm meeting Thomas here today for the first time. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and so what happens is that I, I, the the ability to have those safeguards in place is mm-hmm. uh, you got much more ability today than you do than you did back then. But the problem I think mm-hmm. is that people don't prioritize those safeguards anymore. Uh, they they partly because they don't trust. They're like, yeah, I want to see how this thing's going to work out before I introduce mm-hmm. him or her to my family. And and sometimes it's because they never have the intention of it going any place further. And so that's what we have to uh we have to consider. And my 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 focus is that if you know that this is not the right person and this is not somebody that you'd want to introduce to your family, why carry on with it? My um many people don't know I started writing a book on marriage um 25 years ago and um uh, and I still haven't finished it. It was called Love of the Ugly. <laughs> and history, I was I was writing it when I was married for five years. And my thought was, it's like, who's going to listen to somebody who's been married for five years? And now 25 years after I initiated uh, writing the book, I'm still writing this book. And, and I want to, and I thought this morning, I said, I'd love to go back and reread some of the things that I wrote back then and find out if they're still applicable, having 25 years of of experience and some of those ideals haven't changed the reason why is because they were all based on the bible and so those things that were true today were true 25 years ago when i started writing it because it was all based on the bible and i use as an example as the basis of the book the story of rachel leah and um and and joseph not just jacob 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 leah and rachel and so Jacob saw saw Leah, I mean, saw Rachel. He's like, oh my God, this is the most beautiful woman I've ever seen in my life. She is going to be my wife. We had a similar experience, mm-hmm. Jacob and I. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and so Jacob said, you know, I'm willing to do whatever is necessary in order to get this woman. And so he went to Laban, her father, and said, hey, I want to marry your daughter. I'm going to work for you seven years to get to her. He had patience. He took, he had his eye on the long game. He was not like, hey, I'm just going to, you know, jump in and, and, and swoop her up off her feet and do whatever I need to do. So he worked seven years and then it came time for him to get uh, married to, to Rachel. And what he did was he, first of all, he ignored some of the customs of the land and he should have known already that the custom of the land was that you can't marry the younger daughter without first marrying the older daughter, without the first daughter being married first. But somehow, somehow he thought that he could get around that. Didn't get around it. So he got married, and on the day of that celebration, he must have gotten drunk. He had his beer goggles on. And so instead of getting Rachel, he got Leah. The Bible calls her the tender-eyed sister, which, according to my interpretation, is the ugly sister. So he he married the ugly sister. It was the one that he didn't want. It doesn't matter if she was beautiful or not. In any case, it was the one that he didn't want. So when he woke up the next morning, he found out, hey, wait a minute, this isn't the woman that I thought I was marrying. And that happens to all of us. That happens a lot of times. We we, we get um, married to somebody mm-hmm. and we get into a relationship with somebody. And then all of a sudden the beer goggles come off and be like, wait a minute, you're not the person that I thought I was getting. And some of it is because they've been masquerading. They've been wearing the mask the whole time. But some of it is because you've ignored some of the things that you should have seen before. Jacob should have known that he wasn't going to be able to marry Rachel without first marrying, without Leah first being married. But he ignored that type of thing. And then he had his beer goggles on when it got closer to it. The reason why he couldn't see that he was getting engaged, that he was actually sleeping with Leah was because he was drunk meaning that he was intoxicated by all the other things that was around her and that he wasn't paying attention to. 
those are things that we need to really be paying attention to while we're in the dating process so that we don't wake up next to the person who we say, wait a minute, who are you? You're not the person that I expected to be married. And if you go back in and honestly assess it, there were warning signs there all along, but you ignored those warning signs because you were infatuated. Sometimes you ignored those warning signs because you had already developed soul ties by becoming physically and intimately sexually involved with the person. And so those are beer goggles, what I would call beer goggles. Sometimes you ignore it because you're infatuated. The beer goggles are saying, well, he buys me gifts or she buys, she does this to me. She makes me feel so good. But you still ignore all the other things that, that are really screaming for your attention. And what happens is that after carrying on with that story, Leah, um, he worked another seven years to get to Rachel. He married Rachel and Rachel couldn't do what he wanted her to do. And that was produce a child for him. But guess who did? The ugly sister. And the one and the reason why the reason why Rachel couldn't produce what she was ordained to produce was because Jacob refused to love the ugly sister. And so what happened was that God said, "Listen, because you don't call her ugly, I'm, I'm doing that just to just to uh, just to develop, <laughs> distinguish the two. But I mean, <laughs> just to develop the point, just to develop the point here. But she's we're going to call her for the sake of argument, the ugly sister. But he refused to love the ugly sister, and the ugly sister felt hated because of it. She was like, now maybe if I have another child, my husband will love me. And and so she had child after child after child." thinking that if she continued to do the things that he wanted that that he thought that she thought would be valuable to him that somehow or another he would start loving her and all the while the one that he did love couldn't produce why because he didn't love the ugly sister so god shut up rachel's womb and rachel was unable to produce a child because of his hatred for leah and and i guess when i start thinking about that i, I start wondering like you know we never really fully release the potential in our spouses um, if we never learn how to love the ugly side of them. Uh, because sometimes, yes, you, 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 all you've seen in the dating process was the pretty side of them. And then all of a sudden you get further into the marriage or into the relationship and you start seeing some of the ugly. And this is particularly after the marriage. You start seeing the ugly and you say, I don't want to love any of that. But your refusal to love it is still going to produce some things. And that thing that it produces is actually going to be able to um, have the potential to destroy the good that God desired to come out of your marriage. And so when you start identifying the ugly after you're in that marriage, you still have to learn how to love even in the ugliness so that the beauty can actually produce the seed of promise that God have for you. So after a period of time, Rachel eventually gives birth to the seed of promise, who was uh, Joseph. But Joseph wound up having to be attacked potentially by that which was produced by Jacob's refusal to love the ugly sister. So that's that book in a nutshell. But uh, I was going to say that is like that. Mark's interpretation of that book. That's, right. that's, that's, the, book, that's the book that uh, I'm because writing. Because it doesn't, it doesn't explicitly say he hated Rachel, and nor does it say that he closed um, her womb because of his lack of love. I mean, but but nonetheless, one of the things I did want to add, and unfortunately, I'm going to have to leave them a little bit. Um, I think there is some benefit to marrying older. Because I do think, as again, as we have these conversations, I don't think a lot of times when you're younger, you're having truthful, honest conversations about what marriage looks like and about what it requires. And, and just like with any profession, sometimes it takes some study. Sometimes it, it takes getting those tools together for those moments where it's it's going to be trying. And whether that's a mentor, whether that's counseling, whether um, that's part of your church group or whatnot. I mean, sometimes you need a village. And if you don't have a village yet, you may not be ready to enter into that relationship. Um, I, I would also add, and, and again, you know, I, I fortunately have to run, um, but, but I would also add that I think it's an important that even as you're dating, you're having conversations about what are our differences? And one of the things that came up in our study is that a lot of times people say, oh, I don't wanna be in this marriage anymore because we're just too different. 
Well, I mean, ideally, you're going to be two different people. I mean, you're not a clone of yourself. Your spouse isn't a clone of you. And either you recognize what those differences are and you ask yourself, again, before you get married, how can that difference make me better? I mean, you guys spoke about how outgoing Darisa is versus a little bit how more reserved Mark is. And that can be used collectively for your marriage, for other people to see that, to bring out the best of each other. Or you can use that as a hindrance as to why you can't love the other person um, or why you you feel like, oh, we're so different that we cannot become one or we cannot be yoked together. So I just wanted to throw those two points yeah, out. I don't think there's yeah. such a thing as irreconcilable differences. And that's what people, it's, it's everything. If you believe, if you have faith and you believe uh, the word of God, everything is reconcilable. Um, the question is, is are you willing to do the work of reconciliation? Because reconciliation requires uh, sometimes some very intense and some very difficult work to do. And the answer to that, a lot of times, very well may be, no, I'm not willing to put in the work for it. I'd rather you be honest and say, I'm just not willing to put the work in to, to reconcile this difference, uh, rather than to discredit or diminish the power and the authority of God to be able to reconcile any difference that you have. You just don't want to do the work to do that. And I guess to, to, to uh, Sonia's point, have you been married before, Thomas? Yes, I have. Okay. To, to Sonia's point, she said before, she thinks it's better to, to marry when you're older and, and I, again, I not think that, that it's that's, better. There's just a benefit, but not that it's better. I, there there is a be a, I, I think not, Mark. I, <laughs> I think a, not, Mark. And here's the reason I... Go ahead. I'm sorry, Mark. No, go ahead. You're probably about to say what I, I'm about I, to I say. Think, I, I think not. And here's the reason why I say I think not, because when you look... I'm talking about like old school dating, right? Mm. When you look at, you know, between our age of dating, like in your wife, our age of dating, we was dating, right? We knew then, like, think about this, man. We knew at the age of 21, I can tell you right now, but looking at y'all two right now, I can tell the age of 22, you've already had everything in place to marry this beautiful woman beside you. Mm -hmm. You had yourself together. Now, that doesn't mean as men that we're not going to learn things along the way. That don't mean that your wife is not going to learn things along the way. Now, one of the key components, I, I mean, I talk, I talk to Sonya all the time about is that marriage and doesn't age is not a factor towards marriage it's about a as a man because as the man you have to be able to identify is can i identify the woman besides me is the woman i want to marry for you god had put that into you already at a younger age in life that you identify this is who you want to be as your wife so you so you've already got that and it looks like 30 years in it's successful so when you're dating young, to me, I feel like that's the time you guys develop and you guys can build so much together. I feel like that's the advantage. And I mm. feel like when you're older dating, the disadvantage of time is like if you guys are dating in your 40s, she's established as a woman, you mm. establish as a man, mm -hmm. you're a doctor, you run in the top hospital in Nashville, she could be a CEO of Microsoft. So sometimes it's harder because you guys somebody got to let their guard down. Mm -hmm. Because mm -hmm. at the end of the day, if you're a man of God and, and you, you're going to still be a man, and as that woman, okay, you have leading people, men and women, okay, am I willing to, when I come home, to take the CEO role off and mm -hmm. let him lead this house? So I feel like that's where the disadvantage comes when you're dating, when you're marrying older. Yeah. Um, I can speak from my personal experience is that for me, the beauty of it that I have a seven-year-old son that from my previous marriage. Uh, now, I knew better. I knew the signs were there, like you said earlier, Mark. When you know the signs are there, sometimes you, you can't overlook those signs. You have to, and one of the biggest signs that I tell people, and me and Sonia talk about this, is that it's laughter and friendship. I feel like in a, in a good marriage, you guys got to be able to communicate. You guys got to be able to talk about everything. Nothing is off the table. And I feel like if you have to, if you can't communicate with a person, if you guys can't laugh, like your wife said, I'm the fun person. I bring the energy. If you can't bring the energy with her, man, she's going to be miserable. Mm -hmm. I'm just going to be <laughs> upfront honest. Y'all going to be miserable. Because I can tell she's the type of person like, man, I don't care. Uh, nothing about 
and, and, and this is so key too. When you marry someone and when you loving someone, you guys are together, what you guys do, you know, professionally, when you come home, none of that should matter. Mm-hmm. It should matter is I have your best interest at heart always, and mm-hmm. you have my best interest at heart always. And if I feel like if you can have that, that's that, that's 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 the ticket. I talk to my grandfather all the time. Yeah. I said, Granddaddy, you and grandma been married for 60 something years. I said, Granddaddy, what is the key? He said, son, I'm gonna tell you this right here. If you gotta do all that arguing and fighting with somebody and, and all that cursing, you don't need to be with them. And now, Mark, you know, I'm looking at this guy like, dude, you ain't married for 60 something years. I know you gotta have some battles over there. Because mm-hmm. I can remember when I was a kid riding back from South Carolina, North Carolina. Grandma said some things you told us to close our ears a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> but to his point, <laughs> but to his point was he was like, but I see them now, you know, they're in their 80s. Only thing they can do now is they're sitting beside a fireplace, they're talking to each other, they're laughing. And and that's the key. To yeah. Me. Yeah. And, I- and one of the other things I think is that you should um keep these the spirit of competition out of your marriage. Um, I, I, we're, yes. we're in this thing yes, together. Ma'am. I'm not trying yes, to one up him. He's not trying to one up me. And we're always, you know, battling each other. Like we're on the same team. We're trying to accomplish the same goal, you know, which is to uh, have our marriage glorify and edify uh, him. And also God. the God. Yeah. <laughs> and also hopefully so that our children and other people who see our relationship will see what real love look like. Because like I said, when I was growing up, I really didn't have a whole lot of marriages that looked like I wanted to. So I'm hoping and I pray that our marriage looks like one that one would say, okay, that love, real love does exist in a marriage. Yeah. I, uh, I, I, okay. I'll I got to ask you guys a quick, go ahead. Go ahead. You're going to ask another question. question with your wife and I was going to ask both of you guys. Yeah. And, and sometimes, and, and me and Sonia, we ask this question sometimes, right? And here's another question. Do you feel like culturally, and I'm talking about our, as Black Americans, right? Do you guys feel like we have lost some of our foundations of how of, uh, of marriage, love, and family? And, I, and, and when I look at other cultures, I see them has mimicked what we have done as culturally has been successful with and they're now they're using it to be more successful in their families and their marriage i probably have a little bit different perspective on that because i think culturally we really have not had good examples when i say um before um that we haven't had a good foundation i'm thinking about at least not in the in america uh, because okay. when we came in it was you know the marriage the, the purpose of marriage in that in that point was not for our personal enjoyment. A lot of times it was because we needed to be able to produce children for the masters, you know. And sure. and even that relationship could be violated by one of the masters who come in at any time that he wants to come and sleep with my wife. And so that destroys my marriage at some point. Uh, or at least it, it it really introduces a certain level of challenge to my marriage. Um, so I don't know that we really had the full expectation and the demonstration of what it was. Um, mm-hmm. I look at historically a lot of times, even uh, in, in post-slavery days, um, how there has been a lot of infidelities and and men who you know would go around and sleep with a variety of different women. I look into my own family, my my uncles who had children outside of multiple marriages, you know, out, multiple children outside of their marriage, same age children on top of that. Mm-hmm. So we didn't have a whole lot of really good examples of what it meant to one be faithful to each other. Um, but what we did have was uh, examples of how to endure. That's probably the better option. Uh, the okay. better word is how to endure. We learned how to endure, not because of, and I think some of it was not by principle, but by necessity. 
I had one of my aunts who talked to, who said something that I thought was very profound. She said, some of the times we stayed together, the reason, one of the reasons why I think she and her husband, she said, stayed together was because she didn't have any other options at that moment. Because if she had, she, she moved from their hometown, they had been in that place, in that city together by themselves. And if there were, of course, as every marriage goes through, there are some times where you're like, I want to leave. Mm-hmm. And if you don't have the 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 wherewithal and to to up and leave in that moment, sometimes you stick, you just stay there by necessity because you're like, I don't have any other options. So I guess I have to stick here and work it out. And sometimes that's necessary. Sometimes, mm-hmm. you know, you just it's just necessary to to not have the option. And this sounds really bad as I'm saying it, to, to, to not have the option to leave. And um, and I'm not saying to try to hold somebody R. Kelly hostage or anything like that. But I got you, yeah. What, what I'm saying is that I always tell people, I said, the key to long marriage is um, to not get divorced and don't die. <laughs> that's that's it i mean that's the key yeah, to yeah, yeah, nah, because, you're, you're right now you're because right as long as you view divorce as an option it will be an option and when you explore that option and when you take advantage of that option then the marriage ends uh and we can't have a conversation on relationships and not really talk about what communication is but i used to think that i was the better communicator because i was the one who talked all the time uh, and later on, I realized that, you know, the better, the the more difficult uh, part of communication is actually sitting and listening. You can read all the books you want to read. But dating and, and marriage still have core values. It just seems like everything is so different. I think church still remains a test, a litmus mm. test to find out. Can this person there you go. <laughs> conduct himself or herself <laughs> in church? Are they are they cringing when they yeah. when they walk through the doors yeah. and are they burning from the holy water? What, what's going on? And, <laughs> but we have we have all types and of I agree with tests. that. I agree with that. Church is one, meeting family is another, working, uh interacting in a in a professional environment with my coworkers. How you how are you with them? How are you with my friends, my homeboys? And, you know, how do you hang out with them? These are environments that we have to really test somebody out on and, and to see how, how do they navigate and maneuver within those within those circles? Because obviously these are going to be the same circles that I'm navigating in. Um, I'm navigating in those circles today. I intend to navigating them in the future with or without you. So I need to know if you're going to be able to fit in those or not. Hmm. But, um you know, again, still under 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 construction, love under construction. Construction is always ongoing. And and sometimes you get frustrated in the beginning stages when you start saying it looks like no work is being done. There's a scripture in Leviticus, I forget where it is, but it talks about when you enter into the land, he said for the first three years, you'll plant, but you will not be able to receive a harvest. And then he said, in the fourth year, you will um you will plant. And the harvest, you'll receive a harvest, but you'll not partake partake of it. That harvest will then be for the Lord. It's dedicated unto the Lord. And then he said, in the fifth year, you'll be able to partake of the fruit of the harvest. And to me, I'm like, man, if that didn't describe uh, marriage, then I don't know what does. Because for several years, and I I don't want to put these three, four, and five in it, because often it does work off that way, work out that way. Uh, the first three years is like, man, I'm planting, I'm planting, I'm planting, I'm putting forth a lot of work into this thing. And I don't know if it's going to work out, if it's going to produce what I want it to produce. But then once you do start seeing <laughs> that it does produce some things, dedicate that first piece, that first fruit unto the Lord and dedicate that relationship unto the Lord. And then eventually once that's happened, then you begin to be able to enjoy the, uh, the fruits of the marriage itself. But we're going to have those moments. And I have to allow you to be able to say the hurtful things. You have to allow me to be able to say the hurtful things because what happens is sometimes we feel like, well, I can't say this because it's going to hurt our feelings or something. No, if you're thinking it, if you're feeling that, one of two things is going to happen. You're either going to uh, continue to hold that thing in and allow it to fester, or you're going to have to have the conversation, even though you don't want to have this conversation. You have to allow each other to say the hurtful things, knowing their intent is not to hurt. And the thing is, is that it's not insurmountable. 
is uh, there's no temptation given to man such that which is common to all men. And so a lot of times we like to look at our circumstances and say, well, my circumstances is extraordinary. The, the, the reality of it is, is that it's not extraordinary in the eyesight of God. It's just a matter of it's this extraordinary, extraordinary in your eyesight, if it's insurmountable in your eyesight, or if you're just not willing to put forth the work in order to reap the reward. Mm. But hey, it was really good to have you on the show today. Nice to I meet you. Appreciate it. Nice to meet nice you. Nice to meet you guys both. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> but again, thanks so much for uh, joining us on the Roundtable Consult today. And uh, thanks for putting a smile on my cousin's face as well, too. So, <laughs> No problem. Listen, God bless you guys. God bless Happy you. Happy Valentine's Day. Um, well, thanks so much for tuning in to the Roundtable Consult. Uh, you can catch us here every week on Facebook Live at 10 o'clock Central Standard Time, 11 o'clock Eastern Standard Time. You can also catch us on your favorite podcast listening pat platform and on the starradio.com. And we are here every week for you. So until next week, be blessed. This has been another episode of the Roundtable Consult. Listen to this or other episodes at your convenience on your favorite podcast directory or listening app. Or catch us live every Saturday morning, 10 a.m. Central Standard Time, 11 a.m. Eastern at facebook.com forward slash roundtable consult. Tune in live and join the conversation.